Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast again. Glad to have you along. I'm thinking again of a Petra song this morning. Um, 80s era, of course. I don't want to hear that. That 90s Petra. Blech. <laughs> There's a song, I think it's off of their Never Say Die album. Which, yes, I actually had the album. Actually, I still do in my closet. Have the actual LP. But that is beside the point. On that record, there's a song, and the chorus says, Without, without him, we can do nothing. I'll spare you the trouble of me singing it, but without him, we can do nothing. You know, that's not just some catchphrase, albeit it has become that. That's kind of the theme of my household and, and, and of those around us here right now, amongst other themes. But as far as present moment reality, that is really, it's no revelation but a deepening, rather, of, of something we've already known. And I'm just wondering, you know, when I record these, I, there are certain people that sometimes pop into my head um, that I, I guess for lack of better words, imagine I'm speaking to or I imagine them listening to this. And, and really, in, in a sense, you know, I'm kind of posing questions often to a general population of people that I that I know might at least potentially hear hear these words I mean that so and so I just pose that question of like do you know that for real do you really 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 to the deepest part of you believe that without the strengthening, empowering ability of God himself in you, you can do nothing of any value, of any purpose, of any, of any good. And of course, we could go through a bunch of other questions that really, I believe, would unearth if that's in fact true. But in, there's a word last night that is really resounding um, this morning that my wife shared last night um, in our gathering here. She just, from a very deep place, was confessing that she just is wrestling with her inadequacy. Um, she's in, in some new seasons of, of demands upon her. Um, as a as a mom with homeschool and our son getting older and he's requiring more teaching and training, obviously. <clears throat> and she's just feeling inadequate. Rightly so. And so I guess I'm just thinking this morning of that word of inadequacy. And like if we can if we can rightly view our inability, our inadequacy, 
It can actually be for our good as believers and followers of Jesus, the new and living way, the firstborn of who we are. Because really anything that opposes that embracing of inadequacy, could we not say is a fruit that is living according to the pattern of the world. And of course, the pattern of the world says, you know what? You're good enough. You're strong enough. I mean, look around, y'all. Again, I'm very disconnected from culture and news. But the little bit that I do know is, is as much now as it's ever been, culture says you have the power within you to do great things to accomplish anything whether it's the like empowered woman movement if we could call it that which i would say seemingly is is as strong now as it's ever been as far as i know historically you're a woman be strong be be independent. You don't need a man or anybody else. You are a woman. Okay. That doesn't really seem to fit the biblical pattern from what I know, but I get it outside of the church. Of course, that's going to be a pattern. I get that, but like these things in culture permeate Christian thinking because there's no division because there is no inside and outside because the lines are so blurred from the godly and the worldly of course they just it's it's here's a here's a here's a comparison for you it's a, it's a spiritual estuary okay now i learned estuary Within the last few years, I didn't even really understand what that was. But it's where fresh water meets salt water, and, and you have both species in there. You have saltwater fish and freshwater fish. It's an estuary. It's where emerging of environments come into play. And I'm telling you, as I say that, y'all, I've not thought about that until this very second, but there's something within that. A spiritual estuary opposes living according to kingdom principles and the government of God. It removes us from the without you we can do nothing living because there's such a mixing of our strengths, our abilities, our empowerment, and a little bit of God, we need you. God, we are kind of dependent upon you when necessary. Oh, something hard's coming. A tragedy just happened. I just lost my job. My marriage isn't doing very well this week. Okay, God, I need you now. Hello, God. Oh, God, I confess I can't do anything apart from you. Lord, I need you. Again, what is that? That's the pattern of all of history. 
again, of God's people. We need God, we don't. We need God, things are bad. Oh, we're fine now. Things are good. Thank you, God. I'll, I'll get back to you next time. Right? Is that not what we still are prone to do if we're not walking as maturing believers? Constantly assessing our spiritual condition. We are an estuary of spiritual thinking. God's kind of on the throne, and so am I. There is a merging. This go this lends itself a little bit to what I recorded a few days back about the hybrid worship. There's a a good dose of God seated and enthroned. And then there's a pretty heavy dose of myself. My own will, my own way. And in those conditions, things just kind of merge together. They cohabitate. And how does that play out? Okay, now here's my thinking is like, again, as we examine Christian culture, I want you to think about whatever your Christian culture looks like where you are. And again, I go to things I've previously known, environments I've, I've given myself to for years in my past. Okay, megachurch living. All right, so like if that is your structure of spiritually like functioning in the family of God, how much dependence upon God is being administered to you and to that fellowship of believers in that approach, in the messages, in the worship, in the teaching, in the training, in the environment itself, is it producing an absolute dependence upon God? Is the theme, I can do nothing here. We can accomplish no good thing here aside from the Spirit of God working through yielded vessels of clay, of dirt, of flesh and bone. Is that the message? I mean, the overreaching message, what is it? Do we ask these questions? Or do we just assume, well, it's church. We sing about Jesus. We may read our Bibles. It's good. We're good. We're strong people. We have got it together. A recent conversation with a friend, understandably so, his view from the outside of the organized church is like, I don't get it why they have to act like they're so all together. Why do Christians put on this this face of, you can look at us because we're the people who have things good. We are all together. Look at us how strong we are. We've got this. And that's a, that's a question that I could not answer. I mean, not I could answer it from like an error perspective, but like why the church has been duped to believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
has become a superhero-esque slogan for our children, that is mysterious to me. Now, I can take it real deep if you want to. I believe it's all buried within the Tower of Babel reality. I believe that man, through the Luciferian principle and pattern and government, can do those things. It infiltrates all of the kingdoms of men. You can be someone. You can be strong. You can be these things. We saw that in the Tower of Babel. That's what we have to peer deep within these stories, these accounts that we've been told, these records of men like us who have gone before us. What did those people do? And again, I don't want to go into all this because I'm still, I've got to sit down and record this upcoming series about Zechariah and about the patterns of the people of God. But the people at the Tower of Babel, they were becoming those things. They were becoming self-sufficient. They were deifying themselves in a sense. They were accomplishing great things. Mere men. And you know what? God came down and he took notice. It says the scriptures, I believe, if I, if I can paraphrase it correctly, he came down to basically investigate the work of their hands. And you know what he said? To the counsel of God, to the plurality of the, of the government of Yahweh God, he looked to his counsel and he said, Y'all, we have a problem. Not, the, okay, let's be real clear. The problem was not that the people were just wrong. I want to I I try to make a point, and I hope I can make this clear. It wasn't that like they were, what they were doing was just wrong. And God said, you're being disobedient, and so I'm tearing this place down. There's some very, very, very specific things we're told about the Babylon event, the, excuse me, the Babel event, that the people weren't just convincing themselves that they were strong enough. Okay, like I feel something about that too as I say those words. May we look into these matters and study the scriptures and critique every word and glean all that we can out of it. And again, I'm driving. I can't, I can't do that right now. It's going to have to just be a train of thought that hopefully the Spirit will actually speak and teach us as we, as we ponder on these things. <clears throat> okay, so the main problem that Yahweh God Himself turns to His counsel and says, Y'all, we have a problem. Well, what's the, what's the problem? The problem is they are becoming like us. They will become like us if this continues. Not they're doing something they shouldn't do, which is, of course, true. They were not covering the earth, multiplying and spreading out the, um, the demonstration of God in a people upon the earth as they were instructed and commanded. They did disobey that. But it was what it was, it is what it was accomplishing that was the problem. God said, they will become like us if this continues. 
they will attain something that is not to be attained via this pattern. Right? It's the same as the tree of life. Why did Adam and Eve fall? Not just because they disobeyed, but because they chose to try to become something via a pattern and a way which was not the way to do it. Now, they were super ignorant in the sense of they already were in that perfect place. They were the finished work of God. They were the Sabbath rest fruit of perfection by the creation of God's very hand and breath. So they, they gave up what they already were. Now, the Tower of Babel experience is the people are trying to attain something they were not. They were fallen in the Adamic nature, in the lineage of the first Adam. They were a people that were just a mess. And the fruit of that was the ultimate problem, which is they're going to deify themselves according to their own strengths and the work of their own hands. And you know what? We're not having it. Yahweh God said, I'm not allowing that. I'm going to frustrate their plans and confuse them. And so they will become disunified in the endeavor to deify themselves and exalt themselves in their own strength and abilities. Okay, now if you're following along, and if your spiritual mind of Christ is on and active and working in you, then hopefully you're understanding what I'm saying. Because you take that principle and you insert that into the insufficiency of man today, and the push within the body of Christ at large to be your best, be strong, be an overcomer, say no to sin, read your Bible more, witness more, be better, be better, be better. I ask the question, according to what source? According to what undergirding source is that being promoted as necessary for those called according to the name of Christ? What is the engine, if you will, behind that motivation? And I will say with absolute clarity and confidence, if it is not according to the pattern of God that God has made crystal clear throughout the ages of mankind to the lowly submitted denying of oneself lifestyle, admitting and confessing again and again and again our insufficiency, then we too will not rightly accomplish the outcome and fruit of the desire and endeavor to be these things, to be, quote, victorious, to be an overcomer. Because, y'all, I know plenty of people that are good Christians, good men, kind and generous and thoughtful and love God. 
but they're just convinced that they have to just try harder, do more, convince themselves to immeasurable quantities that you know what, the harder I try, the better I'll be. The stronger I am, the better example I'll be for God. And y'all, we do not see that in the Scriptures. I'm telling you, I'm so moved by that. We do not see that in the Holy Word of God. We don't see it. We see people who cry out with loud cries and lifted hands and bowing themselves low and tearing their clothes and putting ashes on their head in front of kings and princes and rulers of the world, abasing themselves, taking the lowly, foolish way who say, you know what, we are nothing in ourselves. We are a shame. We are a mockery in ourselves. But in Yahweh God, we are more than conquerors. In His name, under His banner, in His strength, in His might, in His ways of bringing out His ways. So what do we do? We march around walls and we yell. We blow trumpets. We don't do things according to the strengths of our own abilities. We confess our inadequacy. Because y'all, if we are not positioned in humility as a people who are not adequate of any good thing, apart from God's strength and ability, then we're nothing different than the world. We are no different. This message has got to be heard in the body of Christ who has believed that she has to be altogether strong and capable and free from sin and free from any defect. Or else if we're not, we somehow have believed that we're going to be an embarrassment to God. And what does it do? It ruins the confession of the believer. We have no transparency with one another. We are a hypocritical people. We are the the present fruit of generation upon generation of trying to be all together. Sufficient within ourselves. Even even to the point where we would call that honorable. Even to the point where we would look at others who are, quote, all together. Oh, look at brother so-and-so. He, oh my gosh, he is just the personification of a victorious man in God. Well, what does that mean? What is that? Because, y'all, when people looked at Jesus, is that what people said? No way. 
They called him a devil. This man must be possessed by a demon. He's disrespectful. He is offensive. He doesn't seem to care about anything about his reputation. What's wrong with this man? Doesn't doesn't he know he's embarrassing Yahweh? He's not respecting the Sabbath. Are you touching that unclean thing, Jesus? How dare you do that? Right? Why? Because Jesus didn't love his life all the way unto death. He said, you know what? I'm not here. He was the one who had it all together. He was the one who had, he was the only God-man. Every human being up until Jesus was in the fallen condition, separated from God, destined for wrath, and rightly so. Jesus was the only one with everything all together. But what did that look like? It did, I mean, did it look like strength? Did it look like victory? His best friends, his followers, his pupils said, Teacher, there's got to be another way. What you're presenting is foolishness. No one's going to believe it. No one's going to follow that. You can't ride in on a donkey. You can't hang on a tree letting men do whatever they want to you. Jesus, are you serious? Listen to us, basically. Listen to us. We have a better way. What are you talking about? Deny yourself. You're the Son of God. Do whatever you want. You make your own way, Jesus. You speak the word. Is Oh my gosh. I mean, let's think about these things. When that was spoken to Jesus by a human being, he said, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, you presenter of an easier way that accommodates me. Shut your mouth. This isn't the way. Your way is not the way. When Satan himself took Jesus up and showed him everything and tempted him in every way, He knew it. Satan himself knew it. Jesus, don't you get it? Why would you want to take this way? Why would you want to become a slave to men who hate you? You want to give your life for those scum of the earth humans? Are you serious? I can give you every single thing under my rule and reign. That's what we talked about in the dominion stuff. He had the power to do that, to give that to Jesus. And you know what, y'all? He has the power and authority to give it to you. 
if you want to follow his patterns to attain it. And therein lies the Tower of Babel deception. That I am convinced that most of humanity has bitten down on that and is eating it up. You can become like God, you know. You can be like Him. Build. Ascend and build. Ascend and build. Ascend and build. You're strong. Boy, you're so strong. You are so capable. You are so good. Yeah, you can have an estuary of of spiritual matters. Yeah, you can give a little glory to God. You can give Him a little accolade. Go ahead. It's okay. As long as you're building that tower. Was that not the pattern of the people of God? We'll have a golden calf and we'll have Yahweh. It's okay. We got some Yahweh and we've got some golden calf. We're good. No. May it not be so anymore, brothers. The mixing killed off mankind in their rebellion, in vulnerability under the principalities and powers reign and authority. The true reality of their purpose, which is to steal, kill, and destroy, has been and is being accomplished. They understand the pattern of God. They understand the judgment of God is for the man who is out from underneath the covering of Yahweh. They get it. And so the coaxing and the stroking of your ego and mine to say, you know what? You are strong. You're so strong. You're so capable. You build that tower, Joel. You build it up. And you ascend to, there's no bounds for you, son. There's no bounds for you, sister. You build, build, build. And I'm telling you, unless we shake our heads, gather our thoughts, and turn to Yahweh with a whole heart, and rend our garments, and rend that heart, and shake off being that stiff-necked, stubborn, strong people, until we turn from our wicked ways and repent, we will be surely capable. We will be sufficient. But, you know, that's not, that's not the pattern of Christ. God created mankind to be a people of dependence. Why does the world hate God? I mean, let's make this, this is kindergarten. Why does the world hate God? Because no one wants told what to do. No one wants told that they are insufficient. No one wants to hear, hey, you know what? You need me. You can't do anything in yourself. 
oh, by the way, all that strong stuff you're doing, all of that thing that you brag about, you do so well, it's not the way. Mankind hates authority. We hate authority. We don't want anyone, whether God or man, we don't want anyone telling us what to do. We have to reckon with that as believers in Jesus Christ. If the yielded life is the way unto eternal life, if the yielded life of Jesus Christ, the firstborn of many brethren who went before us to make a pattern and create a living way, was humility and service. And you know what? This isn't about me. This is all about Yahweh God. For who is good? Who's good? All right, y'all. God Himself, in the form of man, embodied and wrapped up in flesh and bone in perfection, said, don't call me good. Don't, don't call me that. There's one good. Okay? We have to reckon with that. And this is more than lip service. Oh, brother, no, no, no. Don't give me accolades. It's all about Jesus. There's nothing good in me. It's all about Jesus, brother. Praise the Lord. Oh, boy, we better be careful. We'd better be careful. We better say that in our own version of of rending our clothes and weeping, prostrate on the floor before men and before God Himself, saying, Oh God, apart from You, I can do no good thing. There is nothing in me apart from You that has any value. (coughs) I am entirely inadequate, God. I can't even think one good thought aside from your heart of flesh that you have given me. You are my only hope. So I'll end this with a question. Are you in that place? If we could, if we could, um, discreetly take a survey of people who know you. If there was some way to absolutely 100% anonymously ask people who know you the best, like if you, if I came to you and I said, okay, would you give me a list of the five people that you consider know you the best? Five people who know you more than anybody else on the earth. And if we ask them questions along the lines of, and I'll use my own name, do you see Joel as someone strong in his own abilities? Is Joel all together? And they would answer completely honest because their identity would not be revealed so there would be the safety of anonymity. And then just more, more questions along those lines. 
do you feel that Joel builds up anything about his own abilities and his own strengths? Do, does it, do you feel like Joel has a, has a problem admitting his lack and his dependence on God? Do you in any way see Joel building a Tower of Babel-esque edifice to try to become something in any different way than the lowly pattern of Jesus the Christ? Y'all get what I'm saying? What would we hear about ourselves? And so I think it would do us good to ask ourselves and God himself these questions. And the, the cries of the Psalms become our prayer. Search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. What is a wicked way? A wicked way is anything that opposes God. Anything that opposes his righteousness being expanded and and multiplied unto me in my life. Try me, God. And so may that be our prayer. May that be our endeavor. I just... I cannot help myself but just if there's anybody out here that listens to this that is in any way just slumbering through advancing the kingdom of God in your individual life and in your household and in your gathering of believers I just want to stir us up unto good works good works sourced in God Himself, in His Spirit within a man, empowering us to literally be changed from glory to glory to glory to glory. In no way any longer fueled by our own abilities. So am I insufficient? Am I incapable? Amen. You better believe it. And that is my joy. That is my joy. <clears throat> because in my weakness is His strength. In my inadequacy, He says, you know what, Joel? Oh, I'm more than adequate. I have I have endless corridors full of every single thing you will need to accomplish my purposes on the earth in your lifetime and in your lineage and in the works of your hands according to my spirit So God may that be true May that be true for your people. 
May that be true for your church that remains, that remnant that's on the earth in this hour. May that be how we redefine being a set-apart people. A people who are hopelessly dependent of saying, God, if you don't do this, it won't get done in me. I can't will myself to these matters. Nor will I try anymore. I want to be dependent. Without Him, we can do nothing. Amen.